New York is America's least affordable city, and 20,000 affordable homes have vanished over the last three years, which has people asking why are they gone and where did they go? Thousands of apartments are now being kept vacant. New laws meant to limit rent increases and protect tenants in the city could actually be having adverse effects. So Betty, how long have you been trying to get a NYCHA apartment? Oh God, have some mercy, okay. How bad is this crisis? It's bad. There are more than 4,800 city-run apartments right now that are sitting empty. One third of housing in New York City is considered rent regulated. Most of it dates back to the early 1900s and the average tenant stays more than a decade. These keys are gonna help us learn what's happening to these apartments and where they're going. But before we head inside and have a look at the reasons why one out of every 10 rent-stabilized affordable homes have vanished since 2020, it's important to understand why these apartments are so sought after and what the city may have done to accidentally encourage landlords to try and get rid of these places. Being a special ed teacher, this rent is super comfortable for me. I'm endlessly grateful that I have this. It's the hugest blessing of my life because I would not be able to afford an apartment of this size on my teacher's So here we have someone who's living in an apartment with similarities to the one we're about to check out, except for the price. Hers is a lot cheaper. That apartment's large, it's cheap, and at the time of that video, it was priced at $1,300 a month. And anyone living in a $1,300 apartment in this city will tell you that that is a housing miracle right there. And the person living there, she's a teacher with a part-time interior design job. And here's the thing, a teacher's salary in New York City, $65,000 a year starting pay, and without that rent-stabilized $1,300 apartment, she wouldn't have anywhere to live. Studio apartments in a building like this are gonna cost more than $3,000 a month. And that's why stabilized apartments are such a game changer. And having one allows people to live within their means to a greater degree than living in a market rate apartment like what's in this will ever let you do. But even though every renter in New York City wishes they had a rent-stabilized apartment, landlords are much less enthusiastic about them. And that's because if a landlord owns a stabilized apartment, it might be worth more than $1,300 a month, but they can't charge more than $1,300 a month. And that has a lot to do with why these places are disappearing. stairs which go to that deck up there look at this layout it's a two-bedroom apartment loft style place and it's got the one thing every new yorker wants laundry and apartment vented but the problem is this is 49.95 it's not stabilized at 1300 welcome to my upper west side apartment i live on the upper west side of manhattan in a two-bedroom apartment and i pay 1300 a month in rent honestly i can't believe that place is 1300 a month. That's insanely affordable. It's big, it's bright, it's a two bedroom. This is also a two bedroom. But you know what's crazy? Both that and this are gonna rent no matter what. And that's because New York City is in the middle of a housing shortage. And since there aren't enough apartments to go around, we're definitely gonna have to see what's up there. Everything on the market is going to rent no matter how big or how small. Now granted, the $1,300 place, that would rent probably within one or two days. But even this apartment, this is gonna be gone within the next three to four weeks. And if you're the landlord of this apartment, it's gonna be worth waiting those extra few days, or weeks rather, because you're gonna get so much more money a month in rent. In fact, over 
over the next year, this apartment is gonna collect $60,000 of rental income, but the cheaper apartment, $15,600 is how much rent that's gonna collect over the next year. And although this apartment's been free market for the last 10 years or more, landlords who still have stabilized properties, they're doing everything they can to get those to market rate, or at least they were until the city made it illegal. So prior to 2019, if a landlord had an affordable rent stabilized apartment, it was perfectly legal for them to rent it out at a higher price once the rent stabilized tenant moved out. But because rent stabilized apartments are so valuable, as you can imagine, people rarely move out. And this created a very strange black market for tenant buyouts. And if that sounds shady, that's because it is. And shockingly, landlords were offering tenants of rent stabilized apartments six figure sums to leave those apartments so that they could deregulate them and then charge market rate. If a stabilized apartment's 1300 a month and a landlord buys buys it for $200,000. After five years, they'll break even on the buyout. But of course, as it turns out, the idea of landlords paying their renters to move out was somewhat controversial. And there are cases of landlords aggressively pursuing tenant buyouts. Now, although some tenant buyouts were perfectly acceptable agreements between the renter and the landlord, other landlords hired shady private investigators to basically harass people who said they weren't interested in being bought out until they eventually caved in. But new laws passed in 2019 made tenant buyouts illegal because those laws actually made it illegal to deregulate a formerly regulated apartment, which essentially means that even if a landlord and a tenant wanted to go through a buyout process together, that was now illegal because the landlord still had to keep that apartment stabilized. Now the city had hoped that by making it illegal to deregulate an apartment, it would mean that more regulated apartments would remain available for people to rent. But critics say the opposite has happened because these laws have forced some landlords to get more creative to get around them while others are simply still breaking them, but they got caught. Attorney General Tish James says Inc. Property Group brought dozens, bought dozens of rent stabilized buildings and illegally forced out tenants. This company made quick cash by preying on vulnerable individuals and families. That's actually from about a year ago and those landlords were still doing buyouts very aggressively after the laws were passed. But according to this article, 10% of New York City's affordable housing stock has disappeared and those apartments are no longer being reported. And that's because tenant buyouts aren't the only way landlords are earning more money on apartments that are supposed to be affordable. another way that landlords have been removing regulated apartments from the market even though the city made some rules that limit how you can do that. For example, let's say that this here two bedroom is too big for you and you're the landlord and you wanna chop it in half and make two one bedrooms or two studios, that's legal as long as the apartments are the right size. And it's also legal to take two small apartments that are next to each other and combine them into one very large apartment. And sometimes what landlords will do is they'll combine one apartment, which is market rate, with another apartment next to it, which just so happens to be a stabilized apartment. And now the entire unit becomes market rate. Critics of property owners say this hurts the housing market, but proponents say this is the only choice they've got. Now we're gonna go over these arguments to see if they're valid or not, but look at this. One landlord took $800 stabilized apartments and converted them into some massive co-living arrangement where the suites were seven grand each and each of the rooms got rented out. But even though every renter in the city wishes they had a stabilized apartment with artificially low rent, every time a landlord rents a stabilized 
sized apartment. It's gone from the market completely. And because that apartment was rented at a discount, it makes the other apartments more expensive. At least, this is what some landlords are saying. Look at that, free toilet paper. Who says living in New York's not affordable? But the first argument that goes against regulating rents, even though rents on market rate apartments can be really high, is that landlords don't look at how much money each individual unit makes. They look at how much money the entire property makes. And let's say you have a building with 20 units, all of which are market rate. If those units each rent for $3,000 every single month, the building is gonna earn $60,000 a month and $720,000 in annual income, which does seem like a lot of money, but landlords have certain costs associated Associated with running the building. Fixing a bathroom or a kitchen could cost you $30,000, $40,000. And you've got taxes. Landlords have to pay for hot water and heat in a lot of buildings like this one. Plus, these buildings are not exactly brand new. They need repairs as well. There's a lot of upkeep that goes into it. And when you have a well-run apartment building, what the landlord's gonna do is gonna say, look, I make a certain amount of money from this building every single year as far as rent goes. I've gotta pay this much in taxes. This is how much I can afford to spend when I renovate the apartments. This is how much upkeep I can afford to do. This is how much I can pay my super. It all revolves around that total building budget. Also, certain costs, you can't really negotiate, like countertops, they've got a certain cost, no matter what your rent is. Same deal with faucets, fridges, and sinks, they've all got a cost. And it's not like you can go to Home Depot and say, hey, I'm buying a fridge for a rent-stabilized apartment. Give me one of the rent-stabilized fridges. And this is where things get really interesting. Let's pretend for a second that five of the apartments in our example building are stabilized. This would mean the landlord has 15 market rate apartments and five that aren't market rate. And if the rent on those five stabilized units, let's say those are $1,000 apartments. Everybody would love to have one of those, but now the revenue on the building goes from 720 a year to 660 a year. And it means the only way for the landlord to get that 720 would be to raise the rent on the other 15 apartments, which means that instead of charging $3,000 a month for every apartment in the building, the landlord would have to charge $4,000 a month for the 15 free market apartments. Now, yes, a property owner could try to cut costs. If you buy cheaper microwaves and the apartments are less nice, they won't rent for as much money. And if you tell your super that you're gonna pay him less money because your building doesn't earn as much money, he's gonna go work for somebody else. And when you look at the numbers like that, it makes perfect sense that landlords would wanna have as few stabilized apartments as they possibly could. And most landlords, they don't wanna overcharge their tenants, but they wanna be able to break even on the buildings and they wanna be able to make enough money so that they are excited to keep being a landlord. And even though not every landlord in this city is a saint, like anyone else, if they feel like they're being underpaid, they're gonna quit their job and go do something else. I used to live in a rent-stabilized apartment in Queens, and my rent was $18.75 a month. And my landlord, we had a good relationship at the time, he told me other apartments in the building were going for as low as $900. The whole building was pretty much stabilized. And for that reason, he said he was looking to sell the building because he just wasn't making as much money as he'd hoped. And even though I thought the apartment that he gave me was pretty nice, he could only get so much money for it a month. This doesn't mean you should necessarily feel bad for your landlord, but it does mean there's a cost for pretty much everything in housing. And that's why a lot of people say there shouldn't be profit in housing. The government should own all the housing and the government should give people apartments that they can afford based on their income. But even in apartments like that, which we have in New York, money is still a major issue.
There are more than 4,800 city-run apartments right now that are sitting empty tonight, a number that more than doubled over the last year. So this report is about houses in the New York City Housing Authority system. In fact, NYCHA is the largest public housing system in the entire United States. And its goal is to supply affordable apartments to New Yorkers who aren't able to afford the city's insane rents. Which, to give you an example, this building over here, these are market rate apartments, $5,400 a month for a one-bedroom apartment. Which is insane when you consider that the apartments across the street in NYCHA cost 10% of that, around $550 a month in rent. But even though these apartments are so much less affordable than these apartments, Apartments, NYCHA's affordable apartments are disappearing as well, which shouldn't be happening because they're owned by the city and they have no incentive to get rid of them. But nevertheless, that's the case. And right now, NYCHA has 4,800 empty apartments that no one can live in. And believe it or not, 4,800 apartments, that's enough units to fill an entire Empire State Building with people. And this has people really confused as to why this is happening. When someone moves out of a NYCHA apartment, it's taking longer for it to be fixed up so new tenants can can move in. Their turnaround time went from 120 days two years ago to 412 days now. It's almost tripled. That's insane. Over 400 days to renovate an apartment? That's longer than a year. And this means that even the city of New York and its own apartment buildings is still contributing to the housing crisis. And even though landlords who might own a building like this, which is right next to the NYCHA building, you can bet that these, they're renovated in as little as one day. And if they need lots of repairs, maybe a couple of weeks. And wait till you hear how long New Yorkers are waiting to get a spot in a NYCHA building. But how long have you been trying to get a NYCHA apartment? Oh, God has some mercy. Okay. She hasn't been waiting for weeks or months for a subsidized apartment, but years. More than six years. It's really, really frustrating. So you live in one of the city's buildings? Correct. How long did you wait to get a spot in the city's buildings? I've heard I'll... people waiting for several years. Actually, I was in the list for eight years. Eight years? Eight years. I put my application in 2010, and I finally got it. Um, the end of 2018. Wow. Yeah. And the wait list for a spot in NYCHA? 240,000 people. And the point of this isn't to bash NYCHA. No, it's just interesting how both the private housing market and the government housing market fall apart for the same reasons. Lack of money or not enough money. In order to fund their apartments, landlords charge rent that the market is willing to pay. But in the case of NYCHA, they're not making their money from rent collection. They get their money from the government and have to fund the building that way. And the money's got to come from somewhere. It can either come from the people who live in the apartment and pay rent for it, or it can come from the rest of society. But it takes money either way. And remember, renovating a kitchen or a bathroom here costs the same amount of money as it does over here. Those stoves and appliances cost the same. And the workers are going to cost the same. You're not going to work for the city and take less than you'd make with a private landlord somewhere, just like a private landlord with stabilized apartments can't pay you less because they don't make as much. And since NYCHA can't get the same resources that a private apartment building can, that's why it's taken the city over 400 days to turn these into livable apartments after somebody moves out. Maria Arnold says she'd invite us in, but the place is a mess. Take a look at the photo she took. Yes, that does appear to be black mold. The result, she says, of a leak upstairs that the housing authority took years to fix. Okay, if a private landlord did this and told somebody to pay the same rent on the lease for a place with mold, they'd be crucified as the greediest landlord in the entire city. But if an apartment has extensive damage like mold, it can take a long time to fix up that apartment. And part of the reason that it has mold is because it wasn't being properly maintained 
to begin with. And this is where cutting back on resources and cutting costs because of a lack of money hurts everybody. No one is benefiting from a 400 day wait time to get an apartment to live in. Yet that's what happens if you don't have enough workers to fix minor repairs. They become major repairs and now nobody has a place to live. Also, some landlords with stabilized apartments, they don't rent their apartments out because they say they don't have the money to fix them and get it back by renting it. But the exact same thing is happening here. You have an apartment that's vacant because the city doesn't have the money to fix it. But even these sorry little buildings over here, you can bet the landlords of these, if those are market rate places, they get them renovated as quickly as they can. But the byproduct of this is nobody can afford to live there. And at the end of the day, that brings us back to square one. We've got a housing shortage. We either don't have enough apartments for everybody and some people have to pay amounts that are unaffordable or everybody has to pay an amount that's unaffordable because we don't have enough apartments for everybody. And if you want to know the reason for that, look at this new luxury building right here. Look at how high it is. There's sky above it. It could have been higher. But the city has lots of rules called zoning, which determine what you can build, how high it can be, where it can be. And that's why critics of both rent regulation and landlords who charge too much say that the best way to fix housing is to let people build more buildings that are taller. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories. And even with this NYCHA property over here, it's great that they have this outdoor area, got some green grass over here, a nice place to sit, but there's no apartments in this area. And yes, parks and outdoor areas, those definitely benefit the people who already live in the building, but they don't benefit the people who are in that 240,000 strong waiting list that need a place to live. Are New York City landlords charging too much? Are they charging too little? And how would you fix the housing crisis here? Let me know. Thanks for watching. I'll see you in the next video.